0: Okay, um, the, uh, I, I don't know where any extra books are. There might be upstairs. They might be over there. So if you didn't get a book or, or you know, would like a book, we have them around here somewhere. Carol, do you know where, they're from, where they are? They're probably upstairs. Pastor Bukes was passing them out, so we should ask Pastor Bukes. I have no idea how much they cost. $10. Perfect. There we go. Pay now, pay later. I'm not worried about it. Okay. Um, uh, okay, great. Wearing God. We had to read the first two chapters. Um, we're just going to talk about God. So, there should be a lot to talk about. All right. Um any for, any first impressions for those who had a chance to read it and felt like had any questions or concerns or interesting insights? Uh, I have a little handout there which we can use or not use, so I'm completely flexible. The handout is really just uh, random thoughts based on the reading. So we can go in order, not in order. The handout is somewhere on some tables if you want them, but again, not needed. All right, Kathy.
1: by her um, challenge with being friends with God. And yeah, right. It was just kind of a, something I hadn't
0: thought about. You, know. you mean like thought about being friends with God or, or thought about like a, a, that could be like hard or a challenge? Yeah, what, what, was the, what, was her, what was her challenge? What did she find difficult? So, well, there was a
1: multitude of things. Was, yeah. You know, the first Right. We should be friends with
0: with our Lord. But then later on she talked about the characteristics of a friend. You know, if a friend that has to be lightning has to be Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, so her you know, yeah, so her basic first problem was like the awesomeness of who God is and the uh puniness of, of her. Which is actually a good a good it's it's a it's a humble thought, um, which is actually a, you know it's a sign of contrition. Um, you see that in the Gospels, when people come up to Jesus, what are they always doing? Which you don't really do to your friends. Well, uh, yeah, uh, I'm sorry. People who are friendly with Jesus, what do they normally do? Yeah, they fall down on their faces in front of him. I, know that, I mean, this is something where, uh, you know, I don't know if you do that with your friends, really. I mean, you yeah. get down and bow down in front of them and kiss their feet. No. Um, so it's this acknowledge of, of humbleness coming into the relationship. And, you know, she takes it t- kind of to the extreme. All right. Um, and then the other thing, too, though, is the character of, of friendship with God. Or with, with just friendships in general. This was kind of the... I think the path she was heading on was when you become friends with God through Jesus, of course. There was a nice little quote about Jesus being a bridge, um, which, which is, a, you know, any facet of our relationship with God is through Jesus. So the friendship with God has to go through Jesus. Our salvation has to go through Jesus. So that, that that's not necessarily a profound statement. As much as it is, it it, it helps us uh, characterize or categorize our friendship with Jesus. Okay. So with that said, though, we have to understand, how does Jesus understand friendship? And that would be from John 15 or the Jungle Book, the original animated version. Because John 15 is quoted. Mm -hmm. That's right. Who's a true friend in the Jungle Book? (laughs) Well, yeah, Baloo, the big bear. Dies. Well, he doesn't die, but they think he's dead. And then, what's his name? What's his name? Uh, The Panther guy. How do you say it? Bagheera. Bagheera then quotes John fifteen. Well, I think fifteen twelve. Um. You know, obviously, he doesn't say, you know, a reading according to John 15. This is the word of the Lord, but he, he quotes it. Um, anyways, those are Jesus' words, and Jesus, of course, is defining his relationship to them, his friendship to them, um, and that is a it's a loving relationship, a sacrificial relationship. It's a philos. So there's three Greek words, eros, philos, agape. Um, friendship does. Uh, so all three, all three are usually connected in some way. Um, normally, we think about love in terms of agape, but when Christ calls these me, uh, men friends, now it's it's brotherly. But so a characteristic of brotherly love is to sacrifice. Uh, same with agape. Okay, and then also too honesty, and she mentions that in the book. Characteristic of friendship is honesty. Now she gets she gets to that point in a little different way. Does anyone remember how she? Which is kind of common sense. If you claim to be friends with people, you're going to be honest because what's what's the alternative? Dishonest, exactly. Which generally is not associated with friendliness or, or, or friendship. So uh, honesty is. But uh, Jesus actually says. In, uh, I think it's verse 16, John fifteen, sixteen. Let me just show it real, or read it real quick. Uh, uh, verse 15. And no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. So it's this uh, making known uh, a revealing of God's will. So this is honesty, this is truth. This is an so and the other thing though is when Jesus opens up the will to his friends, we have to understand that as what he's opening up himself to them. So this friendship according to Jesus is he's giving him whole, his whole self, not just his body, but of course his uh his will too. So, you know, it's it's a real radical understanding of friendship. Which, of course, is very anti-Facebook. You know, pretty much any kind of modern friendship. Um, in fact, um, you know, a lot of people don't have friends. Oh, we get through life without friends. Which I think is part of her writing, right? Is that she realizes that I think, what did she say? If I had two friends, I can get through life. Two or three, right. Which I think for many of us would be a lot. Holly. I thought
1: it was hard to think about it in your relationship with God in terms of friendship because I feel like I'm a failure at friendship
0: sometimes. Right. Because if you're not in my space, it's really hard for me to be your friend. Right. I just. I don't have time. Yeah. Well, and, it's, and so Jesus, so in John 15, right after he says, uh, you know, everything that the Father has uh, said to me, I have revealed to you. And then he says, you did not choose me. I chose you. So this is very important for us because this, that same stance, it actually defines agape, eros, and philos. So our friendship is never based on the worthiness of the person, Right? So I think, we, I think we talked about this last year, the Heidelberg Disputation. Not to get too nerdy here, but Martin Luther's Heidelberg Disputation, I think it was Theses 28. <laughs> love does not find its object, but love creates its object. And that's, that's how God understands love, or is love, right? He doesn't love us based on our worthiness, but he loves us. I mean, uh, our worthiness is based on his love. So Jesus does this also with friendship when he says, you did not choose me, I chose you. And when he chooses you, then he's he's like, you know, he's all in in this aspect. He's sacrificing himself. He's revealing. He's opening up his his chest and showing you his heart, his will, his insides. Um, so there's great vulnerability. And based on that, though, your unworthiness or your you know your suckiness as a friend doesn't really affect jesus's relationship with you because he's already decided it um, I think it's in it's at the end of first Thessalonians or second Thessalonians where uh Paul says he is faithful and he will do it It's this great like kind of uh period at the end of a sentence where god's decided that's it you're stuck with him you're stuck with his friendship okay um which is very helpful then in terms of what holly just said is that yes we are uh it just kind of default we're not great friends um and so she says she has two things that helps with friendships one is practice and one is institutions the other one second one sorry one is one is practices and the second one is institutions and that is you know, she has not spent a lot of time on it, but I felt like that was really important for us. Because what would be the simplest practice to develop relationship, uh, friendship with God, and not, not just with God, but with one another, and what's the one institution that helps facilitate that? So what would be the practice? Prayer. And what would be the institution? The church. Which, of course, now kind of changes, hopefully it would change our understanding of prayer, Well, maybe not so much prayer, but definitely the church. Um, Yeah. I I think one of the fundamental problems with our friendship with God is we don't listen. So we're like that friend, you know, that always talks. And talks so much, you wonder if they actually really, like, care about you. Um, So when we enter into prayer, of course, our first stance is, well, we're going to just talk. We're just gonna, you know, diary of the mouth. We're gonna just say whatever. God is gracious, of course, He receives that. But in this chapter, it's it's part of our 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 relationship, friendship with God, is to actually listen. And uh, there's a nice little quote from C.S. Lewis. But um, so, in when we enter into prayer, listening is a good stance because we are expecting then something from God. It's, it's good. And then the institution, got, uh, the church. Um, you know, you spend enough time with a pastor, you know, a pastor can go to the, you know, can see a newborn baby, you know, and, and then also see a dead person at the hospital on the same visit. Um, you know, there's this wholeness to life in the church. We birth together, we learn together, we struggle together, we forgive together, we pray together, we marry together, we die together, and if we are, you know, open and listening and uh, friendly in the theological sense of that word, then our friendships should radically Kind of grow, um, you know. And it's unfortunate that doesn't happen all the time. So, but the, that the church is theoretically the way Jesus instituted the church. It's precisely the the environment where that's going to happen. Jody,
2: um, I find it interesting that I look at younger people now that I'm older, and I find a lot of younger people that have more of
0: an aptitude for the
2: friendship than I do. That's right. I mean, if you look, and I, my daughter, I get a lot, and she can just sit in there and say, hey, God, I want this, you know, I want to pray to you. I want this, you know, and she just, it just... It's,
0: right. It's just a, a friendship
2: that she's developed, and a lot of for friends, it's just a, like a normal, like an everyday of friendship that is natural. And I feel like we, maybe I, and yet she enjoys this, the, the boundaries and all that kind of thing. Yeah. When it comes to like playing, she's much more relaxed in the friendship.
0: Yeah. It's, okay. So. People
2: say that more like he is my friend, not that he's. I mean, not that she doesn't know he's a he me, but,
0: Yeah. Right. You know. Yeah. So there is there is a, um, a. Yeah. There's there's a comfort aspect, and and the thing is though the the author I mean has these two positions right like hey I'm uncomfortable because of his awesomeness. And then also because of just the nature of like being a friend, and th- those are good for us to kind of hold intention, right? Because um, the unfortunate consequence of being kind of too friendly with God, it ends up being it diminishes diminishes who who God is, which goes to kind of what she talks about—the names of God and and the images of God—is when we get stuck on a one name or one image. And inevitably deteriorates into something that you know we we want. So you know it's it's somewhat maybe of a you know like for Judy's talking about it, it's it's a corrective, and her kind of understanding of who God is is that she sees you know her daughter or some other young people you know having this friendship, and it helps her kind of you know change how she understands the image of God. But at the same time, of course, right hopefully the young people are looking looking at Jody or looking at older people, air quotes, <laughs> and seeing something that will challenge them and open up uh, their relationship with God. So this is important to keep both of these, you know, we can't get locked into anything because we can't be Ricky Bobby. Yes? I, I was going to say... Um, Anybody gets that quote? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all right i <laughs> more than one pastor talk about this, and I like I need to Well, you actually only need to see one clip. Yeah, because you have... your faith will be hurt by the rest of it, I'm sure. Yeah, so, um, I'm sorry, go ahead. Just yeah, sorry. I'll stop talking.
1: The the one thing that she does not address and correct me if I'm wrong, was the verse fourteen, you are my friend and you do what I command.
0: That's right. Which that puts it into the correct frame, right? Right
1: are obeying someone naturally the hierarchy.
0: Is there. Right. But she doesn't really... Yeah, and, and so, well, you know, she does, I mean, she might, but I mean, it's not a long it's sense of meditation on friendship. That, that's the thing, yeah. So the, it, it gets the conversation rolling. But, she, uh, you know, maybe, maybe her, like, confession about, like, how she's not such a great friend could be related to the fact that she's not actually listening or, or following or doing what God or Christ, you know, um, Asks, you know, and, and, and so, again, because we have a tendency to be guilty or feel shame and guilt when Jesus talks that way. We have to understand that when Jesus, uh, you know, you, you, if you do what I say or what I command, it's not a conditional aspect. Meaning that he's not friends with you if you don't do it. It's just that you're not friends with him if you don't do it. Um And what's the last phrase in that section is, it's, I'm asking you to do this so that you would love one another. So, you know, doing what he says is fundamental to what love is. So it's not a power relationship, which is the unfortunate, I think I circled, I didn't actually write that in the notes, but I circled that in my book, where, you know, she, she, I think she mentions that in the gender or the, the language section about how Sometimes when gender language is used, the default is like a power relationship. Well, that's that's not part of God's vernacular. So when He says, "You're going to be my friend if you do what I say," you know, it's not like the you know the schoolgirl who, yeah, who's who's you know manipulating the the classroom. Not to say that schoolgirls do that, but I've seen it done. Boys are just kind of more, like, you know, nasty and forceful, mean, bully. All right, anyhow. Um, uh, So Jesus is, right, so Jesus is not, uh, he's not saying this. It's just the fact is that um, when when we walk in the footsteps of Christ, then we we are friends with him. But if if we don't, then it just makes, we're not. I mean, that's just kind of common sense, right? I mean, if you decide not to live in a relationship with Jesus, then you're not going to be friends with him. So if you don't do, I mean, if you're not living the life that he, he teaches, then, you know, you're not with him. It's just really that basic. Okay. Uh, anything else about friendship and things? Or anything, I mean, we can switch subjects.
2: I don't know what to make of this where she says um, there's two groups of people are especially friends with God, saints and the poor. So one way to pursue your own friendship with God is to, is to pursue friendship with these
0: people. Right. Yeah, what does that mean? I'm
2: not sure what she's going on there. It's like.
0: Yes, this is actually a good question. Thank you for mentioning this. Uh, in order to be friends with Jesus, you've got to be friends with his friends. And if you read the Gospels, he spends a lot of time with the, well, the saints, of course, because they are in the closer presence of God. And when she means saints, she means heavenly saints, I'm assuming. Um, so, you know, those who have died and are in the near presence of God in the heavenly liturgy. So that's kind of, but the poor, you know, Jesus has this, you know, knack of always talking about the poor and how he's with the poor um, in the Gospels. So, just kind of on face value, Jesus is closer to the poor than he is to the wealthy. Now, theologically speaking, of course, that's not true because he's close to everybody, right? I mean, but um, the, uh, but that's true though. I mean, in order to be friends with Jesus, you got to be friends with his friends. So you got to find out who his friends are. Yeah, there's, you know, which is, again, kind of helps us to define our relationship within the church, right? There are people that don't like me in the church, whether it be St. John or just the church universal. um, And that's okay. But at the same time, since I'm friends with Jesus and they're friends with Jesus, we got to work it out between ourselves and we got to figure out what we're going to do. So that happens. So I, I think that's all she, she's getting at. Now, what, what does it mean to be poor? Does that mean, I mean, uh, who are the poor? You know, that, that could be poor in spirit. Uh, it definitely means the people in the church, though, but not to the exclusion of anybody else, of course.
1: Our first church, uh, well, we've got students the there's very limited chances that we can take
0: Sure. Fifty people. And it's
1: interesting what happens in the institution of fifty people. Half of which you would never choose six. Right. <laughs> and what surprised me was I started to figure out they didn't want to hang out with me.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and yet you, like, somehow become a strange family of friends.
0: That's exactly right. Now,
1: and it was actually cool. Like, yeah. Like I have grown up in a really big, big church and had always attended big churches. And
0: yeah.
1: You know, suddenly to be... Who a few of them actually outright annoyed me. Yeah, and yet you started to. Right. I, over time, it's funny what happens. Here. We start to view them, as uh, I guess we're all just children of God. That's and, right. And family. Yeah, and I, we do really
0: love it. Yeah, yeah and that and that's something too. That's the beauty of it, right? Is this motley crew of people who. Um, it, part of the danger of going to church is is when you go to the church, you go to church, and everyone's like each other because it's like a yeah it's like a big click um but the church is really a a s a place a plethora of, of people and um you know and I think that's why she mentions the saints and the poor is that you know the outcast. People who who don't fit anywhere, they they should fit in the church, uh, and that's part of our struggle in the church is to, to make sure that the outcast doesn't feel outcast. Um, since he's on my mind, Jean Valjean is a classic example of the outcast who. Does anybody, uh, lay Miserable? He's uh, he's an out he's a prisoner an outcast. No one. The musical, of course, no one wants to hire him, no one wants to take him in, he's got to find a place in the world, and he winds up, the movie, the film with Hugh Jackman, I love that film, by the way, just to mention that, Um, he winds up at the steps of the, or the door of the church, and the bishop welcomes him in, and he finds a place, and he's welcome, like he's welcome to the table of the bishop, he's his honored guest, so, anyways, that's that's like a good image. Krista?
2: Okay, so do you think, um, I think the society when Jesus was on earth was quite different than
1: now? Sure. Yep. Because I think the poor are, um, uh, I don't want to name these, but a, a big part of it are taken care of through our society. Sure. Yep.
2: And you know, what
0: we it should be easier to take care of the poor now than it was then. I mean, because of the fact that there's other things supporting them. Yep. But but there are poor people. There will always be poor, Jesus says. Um, And we need to take care of them. Holly. Uh,
1: You said poor in spirit, and I feel like Because they don't have money, but their spirit
0: is broken. And That's right. It's a big challenge within our community, like to or, you
1: said,
0: not know, to be quick here, but
1: right. welcome them with open arms. And like Herb said, you might not, be, you might not choose to be in front of them, but
0: they have chosen you. They have chosen, you. Yeah. chosen the church to walk into, and God has chosen you, so I can't And here's the thing, too, about the institutions that. I think Lauren Winner talks about is that when we think about becoming friends with these with peop, you know, these theoretical people who are unlovable and poor, you know, kind of poor in spirit who just aren't friendly we apply kind of our kind of worldly understanding of friendship to them and that's what makes it hard. But if we understand how the institution facilitates friendship that gives us a kind of form to develop the relationship. The friendship, I should say. So, what is the primary way that we become friends within the church? That's it. Going to divine service Sunday morning. So, the only way you can develop uh, a love or friendship with this person who walks in, who's just not nice, is for them to come to church every Sunday it's very hard to have a friendship as a Christian without that i don't know i i would I would probably say it's impossible, but you know all things are possible with God, but I don't think that's the way God intended it after him. <laughs> this is true good job yeah exactly so so the the point though is is that um as a as a, a person who wants a who believes that we should be have a friendship with, whatever that means, the thing that we want to facilitate, first and foremost, is a worshiping life of that person. So we meet this person and we say, oof, woof, that was a tough meeting. You might be saying, you know, I'm not going to invite this guy over for dinner on Tuesday. And Jesus might say, that's a good idea, but you need to invite him to church the next Sunday, and that might be a lot easier for us to do. They invite him into our home. I think this theoretical hymn, by the way, and and that's actually good. That's okay. Um, so the institution will help us facilitate that relationship in a way that doesn't go kind of too fast, too quickly. Or at the same time, um, exclude people. Because it's a lot safer to invite somebody to church than invite somebody into a home. That's okay. You're not not a lesser of a Christian. Because you're you're facilitating someone to to develop their relationship with who? With Christ. And that friendship has to happen first. I mean, primary. Sequentially, maybe not first, but that has to be primary, fundamental. Ann? I was wondering if
1: maybe some first had to being
0: brought up as a Oh, yeah, absolutely.
2: You
0: know, that she does you uh, know, she Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yep, that's definitely part of it. Jesus, that's right. I was wondering how long that was going to take for somebody to mention that. That's right.
1: Kind of, we, we just, you
0: know, I that's right it's funny because she you know Abraham like she says in the book Abraham and Moses are kind of mentioned as friends with God but I think her at her perspective of the average kind of Jew growing up for her like in her own experience was well that's okay for Abraham and Moses but not for for me I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not as good as them. Yeah, Kirby. Client
1: says something. Client said something. to me once, like, um, I was back when I was struggling with a friendship that had gone south, and um, he, he said to me, well, and I was dealing with some feelings of anger.
0: And, right. Anyway, and
1: he he said that Jesus, <laughs> as only he could say, oh Kirby, like Jesus doesn't require us to cough with it. like. <laughs> That's right. He goes, your friendship, that's not a biblical thing that he said. He said to me, first human, personal friendship is a gift and you won't have that with many people. Right. This natural affinity for someone that, like, yeah. for a lifetime. But he said you have to set aside, like, in the church. Mm-hmm. You're saying a little bit, is we're not going to be deep friends with everybody. Right. But. Maybe this is an interesting way to think about it now. The friendship
0: with God yeah. it
1: helps us to actually see that person And way he said. What you need to do, however, is set aside feelings of anger. That per- like, right. you have to be reconciled in that way, but you're not required to have. Well, I mean, he was speaking of coffee as like a definition. Of
0: yeah, like a metaphor. Yeah. He
1: doesn't require deeper friendships with everyone,
0: and I haven't really. I thought
1: that was a really that was kind of eye-opening for
2: me.
0: Right. It
1: helped me resolve some feelings. You know. Yeah. <laughs> See
0: that as a and a yeah, and I think that's that's what Lauren winter's getting at too how, she she mainly finds defines friendship in in actions, not in feelings, mm-hmm. which I think for most of us we have to feel it, and so that 's why in the church if you're friends with someone and they have a baby, no matter how you feel about them you're going you're going make a dinner for them um no matter how you feel about them, uh, if their loved one died, you're going to mourn with them. You know, it you're you're going to do these things, and then apply it to prayer. Of course, no matter how you feel about it, you will pray for them because you're friends. So, um, yeah, you know, think about Jesus, because um, you know, when Jesus talks about being friends with the, the apostles, it's not as if. He's always feeling good about the apostles because they they screw up all the time, you know. So there's there's that uh, that kind of difference between going to cup going going to coffee with your with a friend and doing things because you are friends. All right, there's a hand up back here, like Barb or Bobby or nobody. Uh, no, yeah. It can't, yeah. <laughs>
2: It, no, it was when we were talking about the church, and I always think of communion as such a
1: thing. That's right. I don't mean the friendship you're you're your communing with the same.
0: Yeah, right.
2: Although I always think of my mom and dad. I think
0: That's exactly right. And yeah, and that's great. That's
2: really the way that I feel.
0: <sighs> that's exactly right, and that of course because uh, you're the closest with someone when you're closest to Christ, right? So that kind of.
1: Christ somebody not being
0: your friend right exactly so it works both ways right yeah I mean you wanna you wanna you want to kind of facilitate someone's relationship with Christ and at the same time because you love that because you love Jesus you had this relationship with this person so Carol um, I thought along that line today's meditation
1: Yes, I could, I could
2: read it, but, um, with Christ among us, he's following us with, he's grace. not only
0: is Christ coming
2: within me, but at the same time, you know, comes within you, within all of us. Right. And then, not only you know what me but he's also among us.
0: Yeah. In like And so, Yeah. We have things in common. We have something in common. yeah, all right. Perfect. Tina, you, you had a, your hand up and we let's uh let's let's move on to something different. It sounded like you had something different.
2: I was just wondering some of these metaphors and images of God yeah, right. understood most you know, I, I she didn't reference where they were in the Bible. Yeah. When she said, like, God is a drunkard or God is a
0: dog, I didn't know where those are in the Bible. Well, yeah, the drunkard is uh, when Jesus talks about um, when, uh, you know, uh, um, he, he hangs out with sinners and drunkards. So he's he's associated with these characters. Well, he's he's been accused of being a drunkard, yeah. Jesus. This is the other thing, too. She's kind of fast and loose with the word God. And when we hear the word God, we normally think in Trinitarian Father. But, of course, she applies some of the names of Jesus to God. So, that's, yeah. That's, I, in fact, I, I didn't mention that, but that was something in the back of my head. What about God? Um, you now, uh, I'm not sure. I, do, I, I have a theory when I read it, but I, I didn't have a chance to look it up. Where, where is a dog used to comfort? Yeah, very good. Actually, I wonder if the comfort dogs have any resources on this. i never thought of this. There is a comfort dog in the... Good job, Jody. What story does Jesus tell that has the comfort dogs? Oh, yeah, well, I was thinking about the... Uh, not the deuterocanonical, but the... Yes, Lazarus. What do the dogs do in the story of Lazarus, Carol? Yeah, they comfort him. I mean, they, that's like the definition. They come and lick his sores. Now, of course, yeah, I mean, that was my theory, Tina, but I, I didn't have a chance I'm, to see if some, which uh, goes to an, another point related to this. Is that she mentions kind of the wonder of the Bible and kind of like tradition, or, or she says scripture and liturgy. So that, that's why I was going to look up because I know John Christosom, which I think she mentions in the book. He has a very extensive like series of sermons on Lazarus. So I wanted to see if he actually thought God was in the dogs. So, but I didn't get a chance to.
1: of the art that
2: we were talking about last year have, you have a dog.
0: And that's right. Yeah, so dog, of course, is a picture of faith. But there were
2: a lot of dogs back then that were kind of around.
0: Probably, I don't know. I, I don't know the history of dogs. know, no, I don't know. They were Another comfort people. dog resource. <laughs> I mean, dogs have a history of they comfort. Like
2: back then. They were more like living out
0: the- Yeah, that's, that's a good question, actually. So in, in, during the Middle Ages, Fido the Latin word for faith, is represented in his, in art uh, as a dog. very famous woodcut. Yeah, right, yeah, exactly. So, did we not talk about this before? I felt like we did. Maybe not. Yeah, there's a very famous uh, Albrecht-Dürer, Albrecht-Dürer woodcut of uh, the knight, the Christian knight, and his faithful companion, the dog. And then there's a great poem, The Hounds of Heaven. Uh, in fact, there is a, a great recording of uh, Richard. He married Elizabeth Taylor. Yes, He's great reading of The Hounds of Heaven. It's great. I mean, I love listening to it. And uh, these hounds of heaven are like relentless in pursuing you. So that could be that. That's no, there. You go. That's another traditional understanding. So it's God. God is the dog. God is the hound of heaven who comes and pursues you. It's great reading. It's wonderful. Google it. Can you say final
1: means faith,
0: faith. Yeah. By? Yep. Yep. Yep.
2: Yeah, the dogs,
0: there, many and there could have been, but the Bible doesn't mention them. Yeah, dogs are protective too. I don't know if that's in the Bible though. I think Bi- the only mention of dogs in the Bible are either derogatory or they're licking wounds. I don't know though. It's I, honest. I really don't know. In
1: the Bible anywhere, because there's a lot of shepherd references. Most.
0: Well, that's an old traditional reference for pastors. Pastors are dogs, sheepdogs. That's a very well-known pastoral image because uh, a pastor is a sheepdog who listens to the great shepherd, who guides their flocks. There's a hand over here. Julie.
2: Um, I was wondering
0: if you could comment on the God grandmother. Yeah, right. So... Um, uh, I don't think that's from the Bible. No. Yeah, so it's this idea. Uh, so I think I think it's a, uh, it's a, um, so what did Pastor Buke say last week? Oh, no, no, I mean, like, didn't, didn't, he, didn't he set the stage of, like, understanding how when God talks about himself versus figurative language? Yeah. Didn't we talk about that? Okay, good. Um what was it? I think I wrote them both down. There's two points. Oh, God is He because He's Father. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So the figurative nature of of these languages. You know, Jesus talks, calls himself a mother hen. Um, and then the, the idea that God is a uh, um, a mother, like a nursing mother, that's in the Old Testament. So I'm assuming it's this kind of stretch of these the these images into the grandmother because grandmothers are you know supposedly you know nurturing and kind of this these it's it's somewhat of a character caricature maybe that's the way I understood it but um that I think that was the extent of it but it was this image of kind of this um, nurturing aspect of God that got her thinking, right? I, I don't know if I read that right, but. I
1: don't
0: I didn't know. I, I didn't like how there's such a feeling of guilt. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and see, mothers too, well, that, that's a whole other ball of wax. Uh, but the, the, okay, so this is, so she is describing her thinking which I think is very helpful for us. She's not telling us how to think. She's just simply describing her own thinking process. And I think that that's another thing. I should have mentioned that. That was in the back of my head, too, along with some of the other things. Um, The dog one. It was uh, when she's describing her, you know, kind of wrestling with these images or, you know, kind of relationship with these images, she's definitely not, like, saying this is the way people should think about things. It's just that this is the sort of path that... She was led on. I think that's very helpful for us because she wasn't afraid of it. I think sometimes that's one of the things where we're like, oh, I can't say that about God. Um, You know, God's not offended by these things. So, you know, it's okay to think about and meditate, kind of spend time with. That was the other thing, too, about her um, rekindling the wonder of Scripture for her was actually spending time with the Bible and, and letting it kind of. You know, savor it, rubbing herbs. You, you, uh, Luther talks about when he reads the Bible; he, it's like he's rubbing herbs, like he's 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 allowing the fullness of it to kind of come out, the effervescence. Um, so I think that's I, I think she's just describing her rubbing, and you know, thing is, though, I, I think she came to the end of it and realized that there there's some good things and bad things about thinking about God in this way, and that it, some things should be dis- disregarded. Um, yeah, well, I think I think that's her last paragraph, and too, is like she's uh, very traditional. She still capitalizes God. <laughs> so, there was a hand up over here. I was just going to
1: comment about the grandmother. Yeah. I, I, when I read that, I was... <clears throat> My interpretation of what she was trying to say is the relationship that she had with her grandmother right she was uncomfortable and that was the time of her life where she was uncomfortable with
0: her relationship with God yes didn't read it as literal and what I don't think she meant it is definitely is not as liberal literal maybe I mean in her whole kind of brief statements about you know understanding the Bible you know could be maybe tightened up a little bit. But um, but the thing is, though, is that, yeah, so she, again, so there's moments in her, in our lives, where we we don't draw closer to God because we don't have an image of God. So, because we only have a certain amount of them. Or like, we only have, like, these, whatever, like she mentioned, she had, like, three or four very traditional ones. King and kings. Okay. Powerful, you know, but then we have moments in our life that are, kind of outside the realm of that sort of relationship or image of God. And so we don't really know how to approach God. But if we take the fullness, in fact, I had a list. I had, uh, so here at St. John, when we pray, we always pray in different names. So we'll say, um, you know, for the the Christian church, oh, almighty God, or uh, br- the bridegroom, or, or uh, faithful faithful creator. We have all different names that we pray on Sunday morning. And that's really because of what she she mentions. We want to maintain the fullness of God because that then informs our prayers and then helps us with our life together. So if we only see life according to certain you know, the, the golden fleece baby diaper Jesus, diaper baby Jesus, like Ricky Bobby, then um, we're going that's it's from Talladega Night's movies. It's old. It's still funny though this he has a great scene where he prays to the golden Fleece diaper baby Jesus, and then there's a whole discussion of how they understand Jesus and his, his pit crew, his crew chief says, "I like to, I like to understand Jesus like in a tuxedo t-shirt because it says that he's formal, but he also says, "Hey, I'm here to party." And then his son says, I like to imagine Jesus as a ninja, you know, fighting off the bad guys. I can't remember, or something like that. Um, And that's a a very crass understanding of what she actually writes about, is that when you get stuck on one image, then it becomes an idol, and you're not really even talking about God anymore. You're talking about some imaginary thing. Well... We kind of did that with our, you know, meditations on the movies last year a little bit. When there's certain images that come to the forefront, we're no longer talking about Jesus anymore, but a caricature of Jesus. And so her challenge for, or what was challenged to her was, when she read scripture, was to spend time with these images that she didn't necessarily kind of uh, see God as before. It's, you know, it's, it's something you're going to do for the rest of your life. I th- you know, like, for instance, Proverbs 8, I mentioned that in the back there, you know, wisdom, uh, in Proverbs 8, wisdom is, a, is always associated with Jesus, he's the, the wisdom of God, but Proverbs 8 is a woman, wisdom, Sophia. So, um, you know, so the early church, they were fine with kind of using that imagery. Now, are they saying that Jesus was a woman? No, of course not, because he was a man, and he was displayed nakedly on the crucifix, on the cross as a man. So everybody knew he was a man. But at the same time, they—that's how they understood. I mean, that's what wisdom was. It was—it uh, was written in the feminine. So they used the language of the Bible. So, um, yeah, and then the other two, like Saint Ambrose. I, I, when she read that, these two images came to my head instantly because I remember when I first learned Proverbs eight. Being in the feminine, I thought, oh, how does that impact my understanding of Jesus? Okay. And then uh, St. Ambrose has a great meditation on the Lord's Supper as the holy kiss. As uh, the bridegroom kissing his wife on their wedding. Which I thought was really good. I like that. But I was surprised by it because I never thought about it. But Okay. Anyhow. We gotta go let's go uh okay I, I i forgot the schedule for uh the the i don't know what to read next week thirty one to sixty two um is that two chapters one chapter clothing all right great perfect all right we'll come back next week you know with any sort of thoughts or questions um Oh, yes, thank you. And then if you're gone, you're not here, you can always email Jody, and she will give you the handouts. Not that we use them much, especially when I do it. But um, yeah, she'll be having it, so if you want to listen to it on the podcast, since you missed it, you can also have a handout that might or might not help. All right. Thank you, Jody. Okay, let's pray. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray.